Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. I'm sitting across the table from the one and only Matt Offenbacher. Matt, are you surviving the Houston tsunami, followed up by the Houston freeze, Texas freeze? Yeah, I mean, uh, mostly, I would say. Good. No leaks? Long story, but there is a thing going on, but uh, we're sorting it out. Okay. The most fun thing about this whole deal is to look out over the I-10 from our office and see how miserable it looks, <laughs> and to go to Lee, our lab manager, who is Scottish, and be like, does it feel like home? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. So I'm uh, right at home. I yeah. Can... He's like, I love this. Oh, man. So yeah, it went from super cold to super wet, and... uh Man, flying in these types of situations is no fun. Yeah, I was supposed to go up to Oklahoma, got to the airport, delay, 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 cancel, spent like seven hours at the airport, which is super productive, obviously. Yeah. Went home that night to go to bed, to wake up at four, to come back to Bush, to get on a plane, which was delayed, delayed, delayed. I spent more time in an airport in 48 hours than I did actually in Oklahoma. Hmm. But I got the job done. Okay. So we're good. Yeah. Okay. At least we're not waiting to go again or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, no. And actually, I ended up saving money on the flights, ironically enough. But Well, there's that then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minus so, the seven hours of your time. Yeah. Between both days. Yeah, it was quite a bit. But but I say that to say is like, man, when this weather comes in you know, southern U.S. or any, anywhere really. But yeah, I wanted to get mad at United. But then I realized I really can't because <laughs> there was so much fog. In, I'd never been in Oklahoma when it was been this foggy. But you literally were sitting in the airport. You could barely see the plane sitting in like the parking spot or whatever. I didn't realize Oklahoma got that dance of fog. It was wild. I just assume any weather event is possible in Oklahoma. Good point. Maybe yeah. I assume like maybe a category one hurricane because it hits like category four and just stays strong. But like yeah. they get everything of all kinds. They definitely do. No tornadoes, but it felt like I was in a tornado coming down into Houston last uh, night. No f- I've never had so much turbulence where I actually felt like I was going to puke on the person next to me. And mm. that was as close as it got. Wow. Yeah, it was nuts. But anyway, survived. And here we are today to record another podcast. Yeah. How's everything in your world? Besides the league, any sports, anything fun and exciting to share? Astro signed Josh Hader. So, I, saw that. I mean, it was a lot of money. He's pretty good. Okay, so um, money well spent? It's a long deal. We'll see if we can say the same thing in a couple of years, but also our bullpen, like the back end of our bullpens, rock solid. Sweet. You can go get a popcorn in the eighth, ladies and gentlemen. You what? Can, you're just going to be like, okay. I mean, you're probably going to want to see this amazing pitching, but <laughs> it, there's probably not going to be as many nerve-wracking innings of games if that guy's coming out on the field. or Very cool. Yeah. Especially with Presley and Abreu and all that. Okay, so we're stacking up to be a pretty solid season then. All I'm things. excited. I went to FanFest over the last weekend. I remember and talking about this last year. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's a dollar to get in or whatever. You have to buy tickets in advance, but like I went with my five-year-old and okay, lots yeah. of bounce houses. We sat and listened to some of the players talk and we got to go walk on the base paths and everything and... Had a good father-son time for a few hours and, you know. Man, I think I'm pretty sure I said this last year on the flow line, but I really would like to do that next year. Yeah. This sounds cool. My daughter loves, now she's getting into not just playing softball, but like watching 
baseball and sports. Yeah. My son, to be determined, he would rather wrestle than watch something on TV, which is totally fine. But I'll have to keep an eye out for that and try and do that because I think it'd be a cool experience. Uh, yeah. I'll try and keep you in mind as well. <laughs> like I'll always buy a few tickets in hopes of like, oh, I'll invite, it's only an extra dollar, like <laughs> sure. and see if anybody wants to go. And then everybody flakes out and yeah. it's just Elijah and we park on the north side of downtown. So we let, ride the light rail. Oh, you, you get know, the whole so, thing. Yeah. It's a whole event. Okay. Well, I'll put a reminder on my phone to ask you next January 1st about okay. fan day. Yeah. So I can line it up real quick on that stuff. Went to Monster Jam last weekend. What? My son was so fired up. He could barely stand it. Like when he saw, you walk in and then you look down and it's like everything he's seen on the carpet for the last five years of his life, like finally came to realization, like the actual monster truck, like they literally are so detailed. Yeah. You know, I'm sure if you will close up, they're probably like bubble gum and duct tape together, (laughs) but from afar, they look like the actual toys and then the jump and the ramps and everything. His eyes lit up. It was the coolest thing to see. Uh, yeah. Well, remind me when that comes down again, because that's one. <laughs> yeah. If you're inside, he likes monster trucks. And I don't watch cool. a lot of TV, but I always remember the commercials when I was a kid growing up, when they'd yeah. have it in the Astrodome, it'd be like, $10 a seat, but you only need the edge. Like, it was always <laughs> something like real clever. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, it was crazy, man. The, the kids just absolutely loving it. And. Of course, it's the whole show, right? But by the end of it, there's really only so many tricks you can do (laughs) with a monster truck. Right. You pop a wheelie, you do a jump, and then you brake hard, and then you kind of like bobble on the front two tires, and then you fall back. And like, are they going to do any barrel rolls or like 360 jumps or anything? And no, it's just the same trick, but just different car or trucks. But again, it's cool. The kids love it, all the rest of it. But anyway, I thought that would be funny to talk about. Moving ahead, another thing that's funny to talk about, actually. I like how you did that. Yeah, it's interesting Oklahoma, I don't know what you want to call it. Oftentimes, boogeyman we reference in terms of things that we kind of know stuff about, but we don't really eat. But there's a product out there that for a long time has been used, and it's called ABO. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about, and all jokes aside, it's actually something that a lot of operators and mud companies have been just used to adding into a water-based mud system when drilling in Oklahoma in the intermediate section with the idea that I think a lot of company representatives and maybe folks that are operationally tuned into what's going on think it provides a pretty good degree of inhibition and lubricity and kind of just helps condition the mud. So I decided to be interesting to talk about. I was like, what is it? And I had some questions come up to me that I really couldn't answer. And I thought it'd be cool to just have a conversation and dive a little bit deeper to maybe help answer some of the questions and maybe raise some awareness about like, hey, like this is an interesting product that just so happened to be adopted, but no one understands really why. Yeah. And I think it's one of those, we get those products where it's like something goes well and it happens to be in the hole and they're like, oh, it's because of that. And then when it doesn't work, they're like, this well was so difficult, even ABO couldn't help. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? Like ABO or asphaltic, base oil, it pretty much is tank bottoms. Some clever person, folks I've talked to, it's not just Oklahoma. I've I've heard a little bit in West Texas, but it seems to be folks around Oklahoma and the Texas panhandle. Some clever person couldn't get some stuff out of their oil tanks and managed to tote some of this stuff up and sold it. And it's my trash that would be probably hazardous disposal. And now I can sell it to put in drilling fluid or whatever. Which we're good at in the oil field is taking yeah. things that not anyone would really want and developing a little market for it or yeah. selling it to someone who may need it. And there, a lot of times there's value in that, call it junk or however. But 
And again, an, an interesting and, and very clever way of using the tank bottoms. Yes. So you're talking about a heavy fraction of oil. So it's solid precipitated asphalt material along with goo, uh, <laughs> right? This is a heavier fractions of oil. It's stuff that settled into the bottom of the tank. Right. Highly engineered, likely. actually. Yeah. I mean, gravity engineered. <laughs> if you think about it historically, even going back to like direct emulsions, which we've talked about, where you put a little bit of even crude oil back in the day into mud, it made a difference. Even 10% or less created little oil droplets that had surface tension and helped stabilize the wellbore, provide some fluid loss, slick things up a little bit. Yeah. To your point, and not to cut you off, but that still is how there's a lot of folks. I had a customer out in Permian that elected to use even live oil instead of a lubricant. And looking at the data, it actually did the job. And they were only a mile and a half lateral. So you didn't need like something yeah, really super complex. Right. But it was enough to provide enough lubricity and they were getting it for pennies on the dollar. And so it made sense. Yeah. I mean, my beef with a lot of these things is you don't know exactly what's in them. You're handling something different on the rig. There's also a question of fumes, vapors, because it's oil, it's not diesel. Like it's got all the bad actors just as much. But the other big problem, we could see how this stuff could work. Even those little precipitated asphalt materials can act as a plugging agent and stick in between some shale to limit cavings, for example. Mm -hmm. It could tighten up fluid loss a little bit. Relative to nothing, it very well could make a difference if you're just some very basic mud system. It has the potential to offer a little bit of help. And so I acknowledge that. But there's probably a reason that it doesn't work all the time. And think about it. If I don't know exactly what's in it because it's whatever trash came out of well A versus well D versus this county or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's never going to be the same. And I think that's an important consideration. And it's competing with products that have quality control where they are the same. Right. You can offer that consistency. So in a pinch, yeah, like if you're a poor boy in a well, especially like a cheap vertical well or a really short lateral, then maybe. But I think so much of what we're looking for as far as repeatability requires more of us. Right. That's my general... The problem is I could never say it won't work. Right. And that's the thing. Is, and I don't want to sit here and, and necessarily talk down on it. It's just you come from a space where as a drilling fluids company like ours, you're held to a certain level of accountability when it comes to what we're providing to put in the mud, which then goes downhole and so on and so forth. And it doesn't necessarily say ABO, it's just anything just comes on location. Like we're going to pump it in your mud. And it's like, whoa, 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 it raises some question as to like, is this really the best course of action? And does it play nice with others? And yeah, I mean, you remind me of another one. It came up the other day. Somebody said, hey, there's this LCM and it's like super cheap. And could you make anything that cheap? And it's like, well, yes, but this is clearly somebody's trash that's just being moved around. And from a quality control perspective, that means you're never going to get the same thing. This was like rock bottom, insanely cheap kind of thing. And it was very clear. It was like, yeah, you're sourcing this. And I don't know if it's going to be a consistent source, but the fact is there's no way to quality control any of this. If you're willing to give up on consistency and quality control, then you can probably get that rock bottom price you're looking for. But I don't know what that means for your well. It generally means that if you're asking me for recommendations, they're going to be a lot broader because I don't have specific ways to attack your problem anymore. Yeah, no, that's a great point. When I think of this, I think when you talk about asphalt, a lot of times you think of like 
some sulfonated asphalt type product. Is this stuff sulfonated? Like I'm assuming not. Can no, you talk so, a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, sulfonation is a process. We're taking stuff as God made it, if you will, right? Like it's mm-hmm. came out of the hole and this is the way it is. But the thing is, those products do get modified into useful things that we use all the time. Sulfonated asphalt is a big one where, okay, I'm taking those solids, but those asphalts, sulfonation is a process whereby you make it mostly water soluble. So it will disperse. It doesn't float out or want to separate or fall out. In the same way we oil wet cuttings in oil-based mud, if I have an oil wet solid, I need to water wet it to get it to disperse in a water-based system. Sulfonation facilitates that. The other thing is it's generally that treatment makes it anionic as well, which if you're trying to treat a clay means it will kind of bond to it and stick to where you want it to go. So you actually see like some depletion, Mm. whereas ABO might have these asphaltine precipitates, but they're oil wet. And it's very likely that they might mechanically plug, but they're not going to bond. So they're not likely to just want to stay there. Like how reliable or how consistent can they be if you have like an unstable section? It may work one time and not work another because, you know, it shook loose or what have you. Mm. It's not sulfonated. It's not blown asphalt or oxidized. Basically, that can raise the softening point. So in higher temperatures, it remains kind of like a rubbery plug as opposed to something that's melted. Right. And I mean, those kind of products can, because of the oxidation process, may have an affinity for clays. They may actually stabilize that direct emulsion or those oil droplets. It's not like unitate or I always call it unitite, but unitate or aka Gilsonite a trademark of the American Gilsonite Corporation. <laughs> That's kind of like the commonly known. But those products are proven and do a great job with fluid loss and they provide consistency because there's a spec. There's a quality control. They go through a process to make them the same yeah. each time. I don't get that with ABO. That's the big issue. If you're drilling serious wells or you continue to have problems, I can understand why there may be an emotional attachment where ABO has played the hero. Yeah. And that kind of thing when maybe you're traditional, hey, let's mud up and starch. You're like, well, this worked better than starch. Okay, maybe. But I also understand how it might not save the day every time. Right. I mean, so to wrap it up, it sounds like the price is right. And sometimes it might work all the time. No. And it's hard to sort of qualify whether it does or doesn't. But I think the common question would be then is, okay, boys, you're talking about this ABO stuff that now I'm questioning it, but what's a good alternative? And so I think that's something I think worth diving into as well. I think going back to some of the especially sulfonated asphalt, and look, let's go back to what kind of problem are you having? Primarily, it's probably a wellbore stability or wellbore quality issue where what do we do? We typically get a plugging agent and tighten up the fluid loss. Sulfonated asphalt will do that. It goes back to like, look, if ABO is working for you, I'm not going to get in the way and tell you you're doing anything wrong, right? Sure, like, of course. Go for it. But if you continue to have wellbore quality issues, let's get something we can control in there. Mm-hmm. Let's piecemeal that and see what difference it makes. Because with that consistency and repeatability of like a known treatment, maybe I can get you consistency and repeatability you're not getting with a product that is kind of all over the place composition-wise. Yeah, Sulfonated asphalt will be one place where I'd start. I mean, we've Blown asphalt comes in and out of favor periodically. Some people do use a liquid unitate or I know there's more work on that. Those are inherently oil wet. So you kind of got to water wet them to get them dispersed. Those are a good plugging agent. They've got the right properties for that. But I would say sulfonated asphalt, if you're just looking for well work quality, is a good place to start. Yeah. But also let's look at the big picture. It goes without saying that some of these things could be interrelated where 
Maybe there's some drilling practice things to look at. Maybe there's some hydraulics things to look at. Yeah. Maybe we need to disperse the mud. You know, maybe we need to disperse the formation. It's too reactive. I think I want to look at the mud system as well, but I think starting with some of those other plugging agents would be my first, like, okay, let's figure this out. And then if you want to go poor boy it, if that doesn't work, go back to your cheap stuff. Yeah. You appreciate you diving into that, Matt. And for the listeners out there, I'm sure if you've drilled and have used it, you may have some good stories to tell about when you didn't have it versus when you did and it kind of solved some problems, which again, I think you have to consider that as well. But again, when you have a system and you're held accountable for a system that then gets a product that you're really not sure of where it came from and it's hard to do any form of quality control on it, I think at least it raises some question is to dive a little deeper to make sure what you're adding actually makes sense. And and you even said it earlier is like, let's identify the root problem. What is the problem and, and sort of evaluate it instead of, again, there's the traditional sort of oil and gas approaches. Well, they've done it forever and this is just the way it is and kind of question that and dive a little deeper if you can. But with that said, again, Matt, kind of short and sweet, but if you're a mud engineer out there who's drilled in that area, you've likely came across this stuff and who knows, maybe you've got some good data on it. We'd love to see it. Yes. <laughs> Tell me more. Right. Now, again, uh, for the listeners out there, appreciate it. If you have any questions, thoughts, or you want to share any stories with us, hit us up. You can reach out to us on LinkedIn, or you can reach us at the Flowline Podcast at AESFluids.com. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, the AES Fluids page. We continue to put out great content, whether it's educational type content, stuff to kind of get a look behind the curtain on just what we're doing as a company. We did a cool post. I think it was, was that the marketing team went and did some stuff at Simple Promise Farms? Yeah. Yeah. Doing some shooting, you know? Yeah. One thing that's been important, I think, to a lot of us is I think there's a lot of times you can do something and do it for the sake of feeling good about yourself. We do a golf tournament to raise funds for them. A lot of companies do that for meaningful causes. Mm -hmm. But I think everybody wanted something more. The idea of just having a bit more of a relationship where you can see the exciting things that are happening. Like it's not just, oh, go to a really nice event. Also, the money goes to charity. It's like, no, I'd like to be more a part of it. One, we're doing some things to sort of promote the work they're doing through social media and that sort of thing. And ultimately, we've got a work day coming up where we'll go volunteer and they're excited to have us. Even that, as much as it's like, okay, well, we're doing a nice volunteer project, I think it's just going to be great for the company as a whole yeah. to drive out and spend some time together. I think it's a great thing in a lot of different ways, but it's always been important to me that we do more than just write a check if we can. Yeah. And we also know our limits where writing a check can sometimes be the most impactful thing. I get that too, but of course. we want to feel connected and see the cool things that are happening. I want everybody to see it. Well said, Matt. And for those out there, again, really appreciate the support. 2024 has been great so far. We wish everyone a happy and healthy year. And if you're out there in the field, be safe. And if you're out here on I-10, be safe as well. Yes. It gets a little crazy. Yes. All right, folks. Take care. Until next time. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.